Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Great. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, worship team, very much. And uh, Brett and Diane. That's great. That's really great. Love hearing sort of stories and uh, I think I should go to a gym more <laughs> looking good Brett those biceps are looking good little little Asherah poles that people bow down to not me but just people what the heck welcome to church everybody this is uh, this is a great morning there's times when I um, I have just something interesting to share. Uh, well, this is interesting, but it's a bit more of a burden I have in my heart that I want to try to release. So uh, if you have safety glasses, that would be good. <laughs> Slip them on. Um, um, I want you to um, just think as we're talking about direction right now, and um <coughs> I, uh, I personally have somewhat of a um, pet peeve, I guess, of people who begin their faith and begin walking with the Lord and then give up on that journey. And um, when I read through scriptures, I'm always very inspired by um, people who don't give up on that journey. And so reading about um, the, the last few weeks, I would, I was, as I began reading through Genesis again, you just, I would hit chapter 22, and I would just keep coming back to it over and over again. And so uh, the Lord has spoke very, very clearly to me from this passage, and I wanted to try to um, help you as well, and uh, this morning I believe that the Lord wants to, um, uh, he wants to ac actually open our, our spiritual eyes, and, um, and I'll pray for that part impartation at the end of the service, but, um, but uh, as we're getting there, I want to just begin with, um, think, uh, I've been, been thinking about like journey and destiny and purpose, and um, in, in uh, Psalm chapter 16, it says that he'll, that you, it, it says, you have shown me the path of life. I love that phrase. And that God shows you a path of life is a, is a phenomenal thing. The decision is always yours if you're going to follow that path or not. But he will show you the path of life. And, and I, as I'm reading, you know, through the, the scriptures, I'm reminded of some of the principles of Bible interpretation that we'll be going through each month. Um, because I'm trying to stir up this hunger for the word of God in our body here, and so, so part of that has to do um, with helping you understand um, a bit more about what, uh, what the big picture is in Scripture. You, you, need to, you need to, I think it's important to read through the whole entire uh, Bible, and, and you can do it, um, and I think that you can do, if you read 20 pages a day, I think it takes you four months. Um, I think that if you read through straight, it, it's... Um, What's the audio Bible? It's, it's like about 40 hours or something, 35 hours. Or something. It's, not, it's not that much, but it takes quite a commitment. And, and what happens is that you begin to see the big themes in Scripture. Because what happens is that we get hooked on a certain pet little doctrine or some little, I shouldn't say little, but oftentimes they're, they're ancillary revelations. And we stay there rather than be able to get a, a broad grasp of Scripture. And I think that's really critical, and, and next week I want to talk about spiritual warfare, 
and, um, and I think it's important for us to have a, a broad landscape of, of the spirit world. Um, you read at the beginning in Genesis, you, Satan's a little snake, but by revelation, he's a dragon. Someone's been feeding that fella. You, you have to begin in mind knowing that this is, the Bible is a whole. It's one. It's one author. It's, it's not, it's over a period of 1,500 years, and uh, there's, um, there, there's probably, I think there's probably around 30 author or 30 writers, but there's one author, and you have to see the entire scope of Scripture as a whole. Um, one, of the, one of the things that's been happening in contemporary culture among our postmodern era is, is the trying to get rid of the Old Testament. Well, it's not really that important. Listen, the, the entire word of God has been breathed. It's, it's, it's all, all scripture is inspired and we need, we need, but what we need is eyes to see what the Lord is saying through the, through the scriptures. And I've been reading that 24 hours, the Bible in 24 hours of Chuck Missler. And one of the things that he reminds us of is that the main theme of scripture is hidden in code all throughout scripture. And uh, you'll notice that the first 10 names in, uh, in Genesis, each one of them is, when, when it's assigned a, a, an interpretation, and what does that mean, these first ten names actually spell out the whole, the, the, the big picture in Scripture, and it's there hidden. And if you were to put this together as a sentence, you would see the sentence would be, man is appointed mortal, mortal, mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching that his death will bring forth despairing rest. The gospel is so clear in every book of the Bible, but you need to have eyes to see what he's saying. Now, here's what I find happens in many of our lives. Uh, has anybody seen the uh, monster trucks? Anybody been to any of those and just smelling the, yeah, have gas in the air? <clears throat> so what, hap what you've got here is you've got, you've got a, uh, uh, some things that are a little bit out of proportion. Well, this is very typical to, to people who don't take the entire scripture as a whole. And they'll find one thing. And that one thing consumes them. And all through the scripture, that's all they see. Rather than being open and having eyes to see what the Lord could be saying it currently. And the indictment on the Pharisees was, they said, we can see. So that he says, well, th that makes you blind. So we have to be able to surrender our current perspective or view to get a new perspective or view of what the Lord is saying. So here's what happens if you're familiar with the, the, the uh, inkblot test that a Swedish psychologist had developed. And you, you look on a piece of paper and there's a bunch of inkblots. And they'll ask uh, people in therapy, what do you see? Why, why would they ask them that? Because what's on the page is just inkblots. Well, it's because they're not meant to see what's on the paper. They're meant to reveal who they are. Because it reveals, oh, really? You see dolphins mating. Really? How of, of, really? Well, that's revealing something about you, not about the inkblots. You see, do you hear them? So what happens when you come to the word of God? It will reveal to you who you are. And that's what's an important thing, to be tender and soft and willing to allow God, to give you a fresh revelation of who he is. Did you know that we serve a speaking God?
He is not silent. He speaks. And his speaking is not just for communication. When he spoke in the beginning of Genesis, it was for creation. Not, there was no one to listen to him. He was speaking, and the result of his speaking created. Do you hear what I'm saying? He's a speaking God, and we don't live on words that God has spoke. We live on words that are proceeding from his mouth today. I'm so happy that God spoke to you a couple years ago. The question is, what's he saying today to you? This is a word of the Lord for our church and I think our city. Is that we need to be aware that he is. So, so what happens when you look in, through scripture, and I'm going to talk about a guy named Abraham, the only one designated as a friend of God. If you don't see God as a friend, you will see him as an enemy as you read through the scriptures. If you, if you see God as stingy, the result is you're stingy. If you don't see God in a good mood, I can guarantee you that you go around grumpy and not in a good mood. Because it reveals who you are. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? This, this, the word of God is a mirror. And when you look into it, it'll show you some stuff. And what we do... Or what we can do is break the mirror. Oh, those crazy mirrors. No, no, no. You're not meant to break the mirror. <laughs> you're meant to make some adjustments. <laughs> That's the point. So God is speaking. He speaks through music. He speaks through, he speaks through our kids. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks through nature. And the hardest way to hear him is through your spouse. He does speak through our spouses. It's wonderful. Nobody is saying amen so far. What happens, but because here's what you and I are. We are the amen on the earth. In order for God to do anything on the earth, he needs agreement. And when we agree, that's the amen. And so when we come into agreement together, we are, because amen means so be it. We become the so be it union. Just seeing if you're with me or not. Genesis chapter 22. Um, as you're on your way there, I want you to just uh, consider John, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 because I'm talking about faith this morning. And, and I hope you have a place where you make definitions of words. What is faith to you? It's, and I don't think it's good enough for us to simply uh, parrot what someone else has said. I think it's important we have our own definitions. Hebrews chapter 1 says that it's, a, it's, a, it's the uh, substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It, it doesn't say it's the evidence of things that don't exist. It's the evidence of things not seen. You know, things exist that are not seen, but they still exist. Particle physicists tell us 21st century uh, and, and the, uh, the result of some of the quantum physics discoveries is that we function, that, 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 that the world functions in 10 dimensions and we can only see four. But there's six that are, they're, they're there, but we just, we can't see them. But they're still in our dimension. Faith is simply another dimension. And, and today, with eyes of faith, you'll be able to see what's taking place in another dimension. This is, this is what we're going to read about. It says that by, by faith, we understand that the worlds were formed by things not seen. Not that didn't exist, but things were not seen. And here's, the, here's what's important, because faith is always connected to creation. When you take creation out of school, you take faith out of school. Because those two go together. This is, this is, the Bible is magnificent that way. So faith actually simply functions on another dimension. And it's often simply being able to see into the other dimensions. These other six dimensions that you're not able to see, but they're nevertheless real. 
So here's what happens in the life of Abraham, the guy, the, the guy who's a friend of God. And he sees the God, God as a friend to him. And begins by saying in chapter 22, later on, God tested Abraham's faith and obedience. Abraham, God called out. Abraham, God called out. Interesting to, and, and important for us to understand that I, I, I'm not exactly sure, but it's either 10 or 20 years that the Lord had before, when God spoke to Abraham previously. So here he is, he's 100 years old. Uh, sorry, he's 100 years older than Isaac. That's interesting. I want to be listening. He recently heard God speak because he was listening. I want to be listening at 100. I just want to have, be able to hear. <laughs> but, but he was, do you get what I'm saying? God doesn't quit talking. We quit listening. What's he saying? Because he's a speaking God. And he's speaking to Abraham. And he speaks his name. And, he, and, and Abraham didn't go, ah, Lord, is that you? I haven't heard you for so long. Your voice seems, that's you, isn't it? He, it's, just, it's just wonderful. He said, after, and, and the, the NIV says, after these things. This one says, sometime later. What's he saying? This is something, as we read through this text, this is something that should have in brackets. Don't try this at home. This is postgraduate work in faith. Abraham, it says in, in Romans that he went from faith to faith. So what's, here's, here's what will be required of you if you've been faithful in a little. He'll ask you to be faithful in something else. The reward of a job well done is more work. But it's faith work. Your faith will not grow if you don't function on the faith that you've been given. Y'all need a faith lift. <laughs> so let's look at the word. Yes, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I'm going to point out to you. He's gonna, he said not only is he listening, he's going to have to look as well. Faith is about listening and looking. This morning, hopefully, you will have listened. Therefore, I'm going to ask that he open up your eyes so you can see. That's what I'm asked. This is a Bartimaeus prayer. When God, Jesus came to Bartimaeus, he said, what do you want? Bartimaeus goes, duh. He needed him to confess, I want to see. So in your heart today, before I pray, you're going to need to say, Lord, let me see. you got to want to. And so it's interesting to me that he says, take your, um, he says, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. First uh, mention, which is there's a law in interpreting scripture, the law of first mentions. When it's first mentioned, so everything, any, any doctrine that's worth anything is all in Genesis. So the first time the word love is used is used here, halfway through the book of Genesis. That's interesting to me. And how is it used? It's used like this. Take your son, your only son, your beloved son. Does that ring any bells about anybody? Take your son, your only son. This is, it, but the previous chapter is it, all given to Abraham's other son. <laughs> so this is, this is the only son who had a brother. Like only son. He said, you take your only son, but he's got a brother. But Ishmael wasn't. Ishmael was the, Ishmael ended up becoming the father of all cults. Father of Islam as well. All right. <clears throat> I don't know. If that, that, that might be important. It might not. But take your only son. And go to the land of Moriah, sacrifice him on a mountain that I'm going to point out to you. I think this is, I think this is, um, this is mind-blowing. So after these things, after what things? After he's walked with God for 100 years. Well, maybe not quite, but he's, you know, he's been developing his faith. 
right? So I don't know where you're at in your faith, but there's another step of faith for you today. Always another step. The next morning, Abraham got up early, saddled his donkey, took his servants, along with his son, Isaac. They chopped wood to build fire for a burnt offering, and they set up for the place where God had told him to go. And on the third day of the journey, Abraham saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkeys. Abraham told the young man, the boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, then we will return. Circle we. He's going to take and kill his only son, but we will return. He's got, he knows some stuff. Why? Because he's seen some stuff in another dimension. Here's what it, uh, isn't it interesting to you that he got up early? If I'm sacrificing my son, I'm sleeping in. Like, you know, what are you, aren't you like, hold it. Just going to, give me a week to pray about this. Abraham, this, he, but, but you know what? He's got this vision that God has something good for him. He's a friend. He knows some things. And this seems so contrary to rational thought. Am I right? Kill your son, the son of promise. The one who I'm going to make you, uh, I'm going to fulfill my covenant on the earth with. This is really quite counterintuitive. Ah, but he knows something. If you read a little bit further on in Hebrews, you'd find out that he said um, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 19, maybe 17 to 19, somewhere in there. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a, as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received his promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son. Though God has promised him, Isaac is the one through whom your descendants will be counted. He's very convinced. So if God wants this, he's got something better for me. What's going on? Do you see how, how, how the, the pattern of thinking? This, this isn't a mad dad. This is a friend. And he said that Abraham assumed that if Isaac died, which, which is usually what happens when a knife gets thrust into your sternum, if, Abraham, if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again, and uh, in a sense, and actually he did receive his son back from the dead because he had positionally purposed to kill him anyway. He, you, uh, you see what's going on? Did you notice that it's on the third day? All through scripture, anything on the third day has to do with resurrection. This is a bit of a theme. You read the New Testament? There's third day stuff going on. There's lots of third days, by the way, in scripture. You may have a journal and write down third days. Put yourself together an inspiring talk on, on third day. Start a band. <coughs> Whatever. <laughs> but so it's interesting because he said he didn't go, okay, I'm just going to hang out for a week or two. I'm going to pray about it for a couple of weeks. He said early the next morning he gets up. He cuts some wood. He goes to a place called Moriah, which means chosen by God. The place, the person, and the, and, and, and the, the appointed action is all been, all been prepared for him. He placed the wood for the birth, burnt offering on the shoulders, on Isaac's shoulders. This, you can't read through this narrative without seeing this as a journey for a father and a son. You just can't do it. This is a dad and his boy. And he's putting the wood on the boy's shoulders. Ringing any bells? There was wood on the shoulders of another son. He, he, the word boy in the NIV is lad. The term literally means armed soldier. If you've read through the scriptures before and you've seen this scenario and you thought this is a little gaffer, you're probably not right. He was carrying all the wood for the sacrifice up the mountain. He was like an armed soldier. I'm going to ask Isaac someday, were you 33 
I'm going to ask them. The type is profound. Am I right? You can't miss it. And so he, take, he puts wood on his son's shoulders. Uh, you, you also can't miss the faith of Isaac. Isaac's not just being dragged along like a pouty, little, snotty, known pre-adolescent. He's a boy of consent. And he's quite aware of what's going on. They're going to go and worship. And he doesn't, this is what's critical for me as a, as a son. I never wanted my dad, it didn't mean much to me. My dad says, you need to go to church. I needed him to model going to church. I didn't need him to say to me, son, you should pray and read your Bible. See, all this stuff, it can't be taught. It's got to be modeled. He says, me and the boy, we're going to worship. Why? Because worship needs to be taught. You can't say, I'm just going to have a private worship time here. Well, you'll not transfer anything to the next generation if you do. It needs to be modeled. He says that what else was happening here is he says, the boy and I, we're going to travel and we're going to worship. He placed the wood on his shoulders and he himself carried a knife and fire. I believe placed in the hand of every father is a knife and some fire. And I'm going to call this year men, fathers, to pick up the knife and the fire. I want that to resonate within the spirit world right now. We're not raising passive parents. We're not raising accommodating men. I'm not planning on tickling your ears with sermons. I want to call you to altars to sacrifice. But there's a reason for that. Because it's not about your life. It's the life that's going to follow behind. He's taking his son, his only son, the one of promise. And he's taking him to a place of sacrifice. You need to tell your kids the stories of sacrifice. No, no. First you need to live it. And then you need to tell them. I'm not sure what he, with the knife, the whole thing about the knife, I assure you it wasn't a buck knife and all smooth. It was probably, I don't know, but that knife probably still had some blood on it from the circumcisions. He got, Abraham, you read, 99 years old, he's circumcising himself. Like, I can't even... It's hard for me to rip a Band-Aid off. Can you imagine? Whoa, boy. And he's got like a flint. And then, and then his boys. He's the, you, like, I should move along, right, Carlo? He's, Carlo's sweating. Let me move along. And he, and the, and he says, and, and then the boy's going along, and he's wondering because he, he's got a question. Uh, so I think it's so beautiful about any, every son's got questions, but he needs a father to take his questions too. And if he doesn't have a father to take his questions to, he takes his questions to anybody that will listen. And I'm telling you, our culture is not giving good answers to questions of our sons and our daughters. We need to be ready with answers. And we need to get our answers from having sat with God, listened to God, and see what God is doing in the lives of our sons and daughters. I just, I feel i got to preach something. Are you okay with that? Pretty serious about this today. Lord, let, let it loose. He said, so he goes to his dad. He's, he's following his dad along here. And he, he's got a knife. And he says, he says, he says, Father, yes, yes, my son, we've got wood and we've got fire, said the boy. But where's the lamb? <laughs> where's the lamb? When they arrived at that place that God told him to go because he, he's listening. 
We need fathers that are listening, that, don't, that didn't listen once, but never stopped listening. And then didn't stop looking. And he's looking, and, he's la- and he says, And they arrived at the place where the Lord told them. He built an altar, placed, placed the wood on it, took it off the son's shoulders, tied up Isaac, laid him on the altar. Good Lord, why isn't there more emotion in this? Are you not, are you kidding? There's, there, well, if it's not there, here's what you need to know about Bible interpretation. If it's not obvious, there's a reason for it not being obvious. But we always take what's obvious and we let the obscure add up with the obvious. We don't look for the obscure and try and get the obvious to line up with it. Here's what's going on. I'm talking about Bible interpretation. It's pretty obvious. Well, <clears throat> take the knife. He, so, so, he's up on the, so he's up on the side of the hill, or up on the mountain. He's at Mar- Moriah. Took the knife, lifted it up to kill his son as a sacrifice to the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord shouted, and he said this two times. Why, what's important about when he says it twice? That means he's really important. It's really important. Abraham, Abraham. Yes, I'm listening. Don't you love that? I'm not just taking your direction and then bullheadedly went away. I'm going to do something that absolutely looks ludicrous. And he's about to plunge this knife into the chest of his son. And he goes, no, no, I'm still listening. Never forget, there's always a proceeding word, another word coming, even if you're walking in obedience with the word that you currently have. You keep listening. (laughs) You don't stop listening. Right? And we don't stop learning. And we don't stop looking. So he's still listening. He said, yep, I'm listening. I love that. He says, lay down your knife. Well, I bet you that wasn't hard for him to do. Lay down your your knife. And the angel said, don't hurt the boy in any way, for now I know you truly have heard the Lord, and you will have not withhold your beloved son from me. Then Abraham looked up and saw. Was that ram there before? See, here's what's going to have to happen for him. This was codified later in the book of Leviticus. If you're going to offer a sacrifice, you offer a lamb, not a ram. It's mysterious, isn't it? What's going on? What's with the ram? Has anybody ever approached a wild animal whose horns are caught? This is not a safe proposition. You watch those YouTubes, you see those big bull elk, and they're wrapped up in, in, in you know, they get caught in a fence or something. Man, I'm just peeing myself watching them. I say, he's going he's gonna to go like that, and you're done. He's going to rip you open, but you're trying to set him free. This is a dangerous proposition. Do you hear what I'm saying? But he's, what he's going to have to do is he's going to have to interpret the sign. He's going to have to interpret what he's seeing as being God's provision for him. It's dangerous. Lambs don't live up on top of mountains. Did you know that? They don't live up there. Lambs are domesticated, and they require, but they're not smart creatures. I've been a shepherd. I still am, but you're smart. There'd be room in there for another foot, eh? <laughs> no, 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 but I mean the little, bear, those ones. <clears throat> I've been a shepherd. Okay, but lambs don't, lambs don't hang up on top of mountains. So he's going to have to see something, and he's going to have to interpret it through understanding who his friend is. And here's what he does. You just love this. He looked up, and he saw a ram he caught, in the horn, caught by its horns, took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering on the altar in place of his son. And then Abraham named the place the Lord will provide. And this name has now become a proverb. He was prophetically speaking about a place. He, there's sometimes when you're stepping in, fa- you're walking in faith and you go, I'm standing in a place. 
that something is going to happen that's going to ripple on for ages. He was aware of the prophetic nature of that place. And he goes, this place. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Th- th- oh. I w- when we were doing the prayer and fasting the other week, I would walk and pray. And I came to a place over here, honestly, and I stood right there. And it was just like the, there was an angel of deliverance there. I'm telling you, I'm just, I'm just standing there and I go, I could just cast any demon out of anybody on that spot. I don't know. I, I mean, does anybody need deliverance? Come on up right there. I'll, I, f- I Honestly, there was a place. There's something about a place. We are people of place. Do you know what I mean? We're not just people of great purpose. We're people of place. And, but, but once we find our place, then we find our people. See, you have to understand that alignment and assignment go together. If you're out of alignment, don't expect to get an assignment. This, this was a prophetic place. His name was, Je- he called him Jehovah Jireh, or I think the J is silent, and I'm not going to try my Swedish accent in this service. Didn't work in the last one. Jehovah Yireh, I believe is how, how it sounded. And what it literally means is not just the Lord will provide, but it's the Lord whose provision shall be seen. If you can't see the provision of the Lord, you will not hold on to the promise of the Lord. I know that in my life. Without a vision, we perish. If you don't have a vision for your marriage, you'll give up on your marriage. Exactly right. It's one of the most important things we did. Every year I take a vision casting year and I cast vision for my marriage and I write it out. 35 years or six. Eight? How long have we been married? <coughs> what year is this? It's been, no, but it's very profound. <coughs> But you, you know, when you read in John chapter 8, I don't know if you notice this or not, but I'm talking about the, the scripture, the whole, the word of God. What's he doing? It says in John chapter 8 and verse 56, your ancestor, this is Jesus, it's in red, your ancestor Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. And that, this is 2,500 years, no, 1,800, 1,400, it's a whole bunch of years ahead. But it says of Abraham, he saw Jesus' coming and he rejoiced in it. Talk about vision. Can you look into the next generation, like just like 20 years ahead, and rejoice? If not, this morning you need faith for the generations that will precede you. Once he decided that his revelation of Jesus, or of, of the Lord, was going to be the Lord is my provider... And the Lord then restated his covenant with him and said, not only am I going to make your descendants as the, all the sands of the sea, but I'm going to make a covenant that I'll protect them. And I'm going to know, he just laid it out again. He reinstated his covenant. When we begin to walk in faith, listen, when we begin to walk in faith, not only are we walking in a current covenant, we're walking in the covenant of generations and generations yet to come. You and I, when we begin to step in faith, and we, we don't hold back, but we begin to see the invisible, we'll start to do the impossible. Well, here's what he did. He went up to, I love this, he says the Lord will provide. But he needed to look up and see the provision. He said, look up and he saw. <clears throat> you, so you can't read through scripture and miss the story that's taking place here. He took him up. It says, it says um, the mountains go up to Moriah. I just read this between services. Go to the land of Moriah, sacrifice him, 
uh, a burnt offering on one of the mountains. Moriah is a mountain, uh, a mountain range between two big mountains. It's a big valley of small mountains between two, uh, two mountain ranges. To the east is the Mount of Olives. And right by what they would call Mount Moriah, just a little bit southeast, is a saddleback, a little flat area called Aranah. Later on, David would buy that. He, it was a threshing floor. And he would buy the threshing floor. And on that threshing floor, it says in 2 Chronicles, in the, on Mount Moriah, he would build a temple. And just a little bit to the northwest was a hill called Golgotha. You can't mistake the story that 2,000 years before Christ decided to put that wood on his shoulders and he offered himself as a sacrifice for all of mankind. And he carried it up to a place called Golgotha. And he wondered probably to himself, Dad, where's the lamb? And he said, well, you're the lamb. Only this time I'm not going to stop the knife. Because 2,000 years from today, there's going to be generations of people that are going to need forgiveness and salvation and deliverance and healing and hope and prosperity because I gave my life. I willingly offer it up for those generations. Yes, the Lord will provide, and the Lord has provided. Now, I'm, I let it mostly out. But now I need to make a few declarations. Because, because I'm getting a little bit weary about people who are building churches just on marketing. They're gathering a bunch of people. What do they have? They'll have some people you can talk to, but without sacrifice, there won't be a church. A bunch of people who just like their ears tickled, like the lights flashing, like the music professional, and just give me a nice sermon. I don't want to give anybody nice sermons. I don't want to develop slick programs. And I don't want to develop I don't want to develop slick sermons. I don't want to be slick. What I want to be is I want to be obedient to the call of God and I want to preach Christ and him crucified. That's what I want. Because because our culture doesn't need another nice story. I'm not we're not here to teach you life skills that your parents should have taught you. We're here to declare the gospel that's able to liberate you. That's what you need. That's what I need. And as the father of this house, I'm going to carry a knife and I'm going to carry a little bit of fire. Sometimes the fire starts to burn. Well, here's what happens with fire. For fire, sometimes it burns people. For others, it forges them. We come into the house of God and let this be a safe place, but let it also be a little bit dangerous where you're invited to step out of your comfort zone and meet God in a supernatural way. You may have to do something that's required of you that seems like a big step, but I'm here to say on the other side of that step is your purpose, is your destiny, and is your hope. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just crazy enough. I just see like when this happens, I just get a little bit crazy enough to believe that God wants to meet some people. Dad, just sometimes you got to stare those demons in the eye and tell them who's boss. Don't get backed up against the wall. Don't get intimidated. Get the word of the Lord. Be listening and be looking. So in the name of Jesus this morning, I call men. 
and women. You already know women already, you, got, you already got a good voice in here. And you know my revelation, my wife's my, she's the, she's the warrior in the house, a real warrior. I just turn it loose publicly. She's a real warrior. I want to pray for eyes to be open. Eyes of faith. Honey, I can't quit thinking about you. You need eyes of faith today. So I'm going to pray for you first. You know, there's a term about praying for the Lord of the harvest to give us eyes to see the harvest. It's been hard for you to see the eyes of the harvest. And we get a bit weary in well-doing when we don't see the, the results. But from this day forward, no, from this day forward, the eyes of your understanding and the eyes of your heart eyes of faith will be opened and you will see with eyes of faith and you will see and you will see and you will see from this day forward I declare and decree it in the name of Jesus you're beautiful I want to pray for a bunch of people there's one other person I want to pray for Charmaine are clean. Jesus, open her eyes. Jesus, open her eyes. Second Bartimaeus prayer. You need to see. You need to see the incredible provision that the Lord has, has for you. You gotta see it. Girl, you gotta see it. And once you see it, you'll start to sing it. Lord, release the songs of praise. No, the songs of deliverance. Songs of provision. Songs of healing and songs of hope. Open these eyes to see. 